Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, Rise Together listeners. Dave here, sitting overlooking the back patio. Here for a solo episode. It's been a while since I have done a solo podcast. And I'll tell you, it's in part because I'm still... So much in the work of trying to dig into and understand why I do what I do, trying to kind of keep the learning that started almost a year ago continuing. And uh, in some ways, it's me trying to find a little deeper sense of peace with myself. In some ways, it's my attempts to build a bit more confidence in myself. Uh, to be totally honest, as much as I Really do love doing this podcast and the people I get to talk to. The last year has done a bit of a job on my willingness to share anything that might position me as a teacher, (laughs) since I feel in so many ways that I am a student now more than ever, more than uh, maybe any other other time in my life. So um, think of this episode, think of uh, me as your uh, old pal Dave, Uh, not so much trying to teach you anything but more that maybe by sharing a little bit of my journey of this last year, that maybe something will spark in you to do a little digging of your own in the hopes that uh, that inner work will be the teacher in your own life. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis. I'm the host of this show where we're going to hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience, Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. So a year ago, it's, uh, it's the anniversary of the beginning of a lot of tumultuousness, a lot of learning, a lot of growth, a lot of beauty, a lot of darkness, like so many things in my life have happened in this last year. But about a year ago, we were a month away from the release of my second book. It was called Built Through Courage. I, at the time, was unbelievably proud of the work. I am still Really, really so proud of the work. But at the time, September of 2021, I'm gearing up for the old launch. And 
as much as I believe it was going to be a great resource for people then, still believe it's a great resource for people now, I also, if I'm being super honest, and I think some of the honesty is um, hopefully part of what comes out of the work that I am in the midst of, will continue to be in the midst of for some time, I knew something that I wouldn't necessarily say out loud then, even if it was just on an unconscious level. And that is that I was still really struggling in the aftermath of divorce um, as much as at that point in time, what am I, like a year and three months into divorce, um, there was something in my mind, like this idea that like nobody wants to go to a sick doctor. Uh, you know, nobody uh, would necessarily want to read a resource that was created by somebody if he were to confess that he was still struggling as much as he was. Um, and, you know, that might have been a limiting belief. That might have been a thing I should have listened to, right? Like, I am comfortable to suggest that, man, uh, maybe the work would have been better or better received or work that I was even um, able to take the advice of if I'd have spent a little bit more time doing work in healing, in grief, in you know turning around and facing some of the stuff that I found myself running from if I would have released the book two years from now or five years from now. Um, but I couldn't see what I couldn't see at the time. I was uh, blinded in some ways by, call it ego, blinded in some ways by um, this belief that if I could work hard enough or produce enough or achieve something, that it would in some ways reverse some of the feelings that I was uh, experiencing in the aftermath of that divorce and the way that rejection was a part of the experience that I'd gone through. And so I, I pushed forward. I did what I thought I needed to do, that if I could work hard, put on a happy face, be encouraging, be motivational, if I could help some other people, um, that it wouldn't matter necessarily if you didn't have the full picture of my experience because I was still doing good work. I was still trying to help people. I still, like I believe today, I still think there are things in that book that if you read it and implement it in your life, that you could have something of a breakthrough in your life. But um, it feels in some ways like I am being forced to learn some lessons over and over again. I feel, <laughs> and maybe it's just me, but uh, I feel in some ways like my life has had a few things that I have had to learn continue to present the opportunity to learn them until I actually, actually learn them. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I've had to learn over and over again that the full picture matters. I've had to learn um, these lessons around integrity, uh, where you're trying to um, make sure that what you're presenting is also uh, a reflection of what exists. And, um, and in that season of time, I don't know that I was doing a very good job of fully presenting the, the full truth of my experience. And of course, I'm being retaught these lessons because integrity matters. Right, that not owning all of our human experience or only showing the good part, it throws us out of alignment. And that hope for sustaining it is an impossibility. Or at least for me, it, was, it wasn't a matter of if I would fall, if I would stumble. It was a question of when, right? It was a question of when the burden of trying 
to run fast enough, outrun that grief or pain or fear of being found out or the rejection that sat in the aftermath of divorce. Like all of that running for me, it wasn't a question of if, it was when. And as it turned out, the pressure around the release of the book was going to be the time when all of it for me would kind of come falling down. And so many of the things that I've had to learn in this last year end up coming back to a conversation around integrity because it's a thing that I have not fully learned in my lifetime because it's the root of so much of the dissatisfaction, the absence of self-love, the voice of my critic, the shame that I carry. So many things end up coming back to parts of my life being out of integrity with who I am. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced that feeling of being forced to learn something until it actually sticks or being forced to learn something over and over again. Um, but man, this conversation around integrity, it just keeps coming around again and again and again. And, and I think for me, um, while I'm closer to understanding it, I'm also, I'm braced. I'm bracing myself because um, I'm, I'm in the midst of trying to unlearn a lifetime of relationship attachment of whether it's, you know, in codependence or in ego and the way that it has been served or fear and the way that it has catalyzed my behavior or whatever it ends up being. I have uh, just a lifetime of stuff that I am trying to unlearn in this attempt to be true to myself, right? In having my actions and my truth aligned, the, like the essence of who I am and the version of who I present looking exactly the same. And, and yeah, of course, it also comes down to like making promises to yourself and keeping them, right? Like that is the vehicle for respecting yourself and loving yourself and having dignity when you can actually keep your word to yourself. But it's also being okay with showing all of who you are, even the messy intricacies of what makes you human, to the world, to people, on social, in your interpersonal relationships on an everyday basis. Because, and again, my experience, denying any part of my experience, right? Curating some version of everything's great, this is awesome, or um, saying I'm going to do something, but then not doing it, or whatever it is, right? Denying any part of my experience teaches me that the whole of me is not okay. Right, Like if there's some part of me that I'm unwilling to bring into a room on some level, again, even if it's subconscious, I'm sending a message to myself that I'm not whole, that I'm not good, that if I were to expose this part of who I am, that I won't be loved. And uh, I, like anybody else, um, I have a desire more than almost anything in the world to be myself and be loved for who I am. And um, what's crazy is like that desire, that kind of innate thing that lives deeply inside of so many of us, uh, it can make us do some crazy shit. <laughs> like it can make us do things that just don't make sense. It can make us do things that um, we end up having shame for, or regret for, or in some ways are disconnected from, again, the truth of who we are because we're so worried about pleasing ego. We're so worried about being inside of an in-group, like belonging. We're so worried of rejection, um, which again, are all very normal human emotions, but satisfying not feeling rejected or satisfying being in the in-group or satisfying um, having them 
like you because you've kind of molded yourself into who you'd hope they might like. Um, all of that ends up coming at the expense of you liking yourself because you are denying part of who you are. And uh, it's part of why I think I just keep learning this lesson, man. I am on a mission to love myself and respect myself and to have dignity in knowing that I did what I said I was going to do, that my actions are aligned with who I am presenting myself to be, and that if there are parts of me that are not yet totally whole, that there is space to honor those parts, to bring them into a room, to have them be part of a conversation, and that even if there are people that could make fun of those parts or not like those parts, having them there and honoring that they are part of who you are in your human experience is more important than pretending like they don't exist and then hating yourself in the dark because of your unwillingness to acknowledge that that's part of who you are. At least that's been my experience. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. At the end of the last fitness challenge that Heidi and I were doing, we were really, really fortunate to have Jack Canfield come in and join a Zoom for some of the crew. And he is, I mean, he is the greatest. He uh, wrote Chicken Soup of the Soul, if you're not familiar and he talked about so many great things. There were so many little nuggets of wisdom. But one of the things that I loved the most was this little clip that uh, I ended up recording in the comfort of this very chair where I am recording this now. I sent it over to Heidi. She put it up on her social. Um, give a listen to Mr. Jack Canfield. So what I'm, say so what, what I'm saying is that sometimes what you get is what you need, not necessarily what you want for your own evolution and, and growth. And you have to learn to trust. My assumption, based on years of, of work, is that the universe is always working in my be, in my behalf. What my first mentor taught me was to be an inverse paranoid. You're, you're paranoid think the world's out to get them. An inverse paranoid thinks the world out is world out to benefit you. So it's a beneficent universe. Einstein said that you have to decide one way or the other in terms of the quality of your life. So for me, if I believe the world is always in my favor, everything that shows up, I get to go, okay, what's the lesson here? What quality am I supposed to develop? You know, what am I supposed to learn, etc. So yes, uh, that's genius. I want to break it down because uh, for me, it was like one of these mind exploding kind of moments where so many good things are in a single sentence, but um, against the backdrop of this conversation where I'm trying to understand why things have happened the way that they've happened in the last year, in many ways, not making sense at the time that they were happening, only revealing after the fact that, of course, they had to happen in a certain way for me to learn the things that I was meant to learn and this thing that I'm having to be retaught over and over again around the conversation of integrity and being true to myself, being such an important part of where peace and self-love and respect and everything else for myself ends up coming from. 
Um, I thought it was just such a beautiful way of the universe wink and a little a little God wink kind of a moment for Jack to affirm some of what I had been feeling uh, just a couple weeks ago when he was in the group having that conversation. So that first thing that he said was, sometimes you get what you need, not necessarily what you want for your own evolution and growth. You have to learn to trust. You know, like in the book, in, in my... Uh, Built Through Courage book, I referenced Unanswered Prayers by uh, old Garth Brooks. Um, you know, it's, it's this interesting thing where I think we, um, we believe in this idea of praying and forget sometimes that we don't get a say in how the prayers get answered. And sometimes when it feels like we are going through something that is unexplainable, have a hard time believing that the things that are happening could in fact have anything to do with the answering of a prayer. And yet... This isn't Burger King, you know, like I get frustrated that uh, my prayers don't get answered my way. Um, it, it's, it's something that just, again, time ends up being such an important component in this for you to actually see how what was happening may in fact be happening in a way that can benefit you or a thing that you need. As he say, you, 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 get what you, you get what you need, not necessarily what you want. Um, you know, I, I do wish that you got to detail how you got what you need. I wish that you could, you know, ask God specifically for an itemized chronological list of how you'd like things to happen. It'd be better for our comfort or our patience or our preference, but uh, it usually doesn't work out that way. Um, And trust, of course, is a thing that you have to learn, but dang it if it isn't hard. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, man, my faith has really been complicated in the last couple of years where I found times where I was very angry with God, where I did not get what was going on. I could not make, make sense of why this was happening or why that was happening. I've also, by the way, like many people have, come to appreciate that God is absolutely big enough and capable enough to handle my anger. Thank you very much. Um, but it has, of course, like many people. It's been hard to make sense of why things happen the way that they do or when they do. Why is this happening now? But in some ways, that's the definition of faith, right? Like just trusting that it's happening the way that it's supposed to for you to grow. It's trust, trusting that it's happening the way that it's supposed to for you to become this better version of yourself or this more evolved version of yourself or a more aligned, in, in my instance, with this conversation around integrity, integrity version of myself. Right? Like there's so many things that I can see now had to happen to bring me back to me because in some ways I'd veered away from an authentic representation of who I, who I am. I'd veered away from who I'd hoped to be. And in the dissonance that existed, I'd created a breach in integrity and I couldn't love myself there. I couldn't respect myself there. I couldn't feel the kind of peace that you might feel when you find yourself aligned. Right? So I, I appreciate things now that I couldn't appreciate then if you're in the midst of something right now, Time is going to be the equalizer. Time reveals all things. Time will show you some of why what you're going through right now is the thing that you're having to go through. It sucks in the moment. There's some stuff happening in my life right now that sucks in the moment. And I'm better now because of having seen some of the evidence of how things playing out revealed that that was how they had to to get the result that I ultimately wanted, even if it didn't happen how I wanted that now I have some belief, I have some faith, I have some trust that, hey, I don't love the circumstances that I'm working through right now, but I know it's for a good. 
The second big thing he said, oh, and this is a big one, is just this idea that the universe is always working on my behalf. Be an inverse paranoid. I'd never heard this term in my life. I'm now in love with this term. It's difficult for me, by the way, as a pragmatic, practical person who I'm going to argue, as much as I hate to have to even admit this, I lean towards pessimism more than optimism, even though I know I need to reach for something better, even though I'd like to believe that something good can happen. I am observant of all that could go wrong, have been my entire life. Be an inverse inverse paranoid. A paranoid thinks the world is out to get them. An inverse paranoid believes the world is out to benefit them. This decision determines the quality of your life. This decision. I'll tell you what, when you're going through hard things, you want to punch a person who says these words in the face. Uh, violence is never the answer. I'm not an advocate of it, but as a person who's had to like in the midst of being forced to my knees, going through some shit that nobody, <laughs> and no, I certainly didn't uh, ever hope to have to go, go through. Um, it's really, really difficult. It's really difficult to just say, Hey, you know what? Decide that this is going to end up working out for you. And I think that there, there's a time I will actually argue against this just a little bit. I think there's actually a time when it's okay to just be pissed off. I think that there's a time when it's okay to just be angry or be really sad or be really um, unsure of what the heck is going on. And then I think that time expires. I think that there's a time for anger and a place for frustration. And definitely you have to create a lot of space for grief. But at a certain point, I think that there is this invitation to choose, all right, I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm not going to stay here for the rest of my life. This sucks, and I don't think it's fair, and I wish it wasn't happening, and also it's time to believe that it's for a greater good, and I'm going to take a step out of this, and another step. And in a Robert Frost kind of way, uh, the only way out is through, right? Another Robert Frost thing. Two Robert Frost quotes back to back, Dave. Come on. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I got promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep, right? Like there may be miles in front of you. The woods might be dark, but the only way out is through. You got to take a step and then another step. And part of the willingness or the ability to take a step, it requires that you have some hope. It requires that you believe that something good can come out of it and so I'm going to you know, give some credit to this idea from Jack that the universe having your back being a choice is a thing that if you can choose it may in fact be one of the only things that you can reach for when you're starting your journey out of stock, right? I mean, I'm sure people have heard Tony Robbins' idea that uh, you, know, you ask the question, how is this happening for you and not to you? Again, when you're going through something effing miserable, you want to tell Tony to shove it up Tony's ass. But how is this happening for you and not to you? That's a big question. That's an important question. It's a hard one, frankly, to totally open your mind to in the midst of hard things, like I said. But the answers usually, again, reveal themselves over time. And if you've built a little bit of faith in God, a little bit of faith in the universe, that this will work out for good, that time will reveal how this was meant for me, how this was going to turn into something that I could learn from, um, you might just have the, the hope that you need 
to take that first step, to take the second step to get on through. The last thing that Jack said was, if I believe the world is always in my favor, then with everything that shows up, I get to ask myself, what lesson am I meant to learn here? And what quality am I supposed to develop? What am I supposed to learn from this? At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. When we get to see anything and everything that's happening to us as an invitation to ask those questions, it changes a little of the dynamic in the interaction because you get to now see it as an opportunity through inquisition to grow. And again, like I, <laughs> I, I, as I said at the beginning, I'm not trying to be a teacher here and I'm going to just admit as a person who is trying to learn this himself when you're in the middle of it, you don't feel like asking anyone anything. I mean, I felt like feeling sorry for myself. I feel like complaining. I felt like not getting out of bed. I felt like drinking. I didn't feel like asking, why is this happening to me? Or what am I meant to learn here? Or what quality am I supposed to develop? I thought I was supposed to develop a drinking problem because that was the only thing I could at the time reach for that allowed me relief from the pain. But after pain or that suffering becomes something that you decide you don't want to have as your identity for the rest of time, when you realize that um, this hasn't been working, it's not a sustainable long-term plan, there's got to be a better option than me resorting to the thing that produces the most shame in my life. This is, there's got to be something other than me devolving into a person that I don't love when I look in the mirror. Then you can ask these questions, right? I just, I don't want it to come off like, oh yeah, no. Um, I had a conversation about divorce and the first thing I did was ask, what quality am I supposed to develop? No, I drank like a full entire thing of Costco-sized vodka, because I have very poor, poor, poor coping mechanisms and I didn't enjoy pain. And then three days later, I was like, okay, this is unsustainable, can't do this. And guess what? I repeated that cycle because it was something that I hadn't fully gotten a handle on. But when you're faced with something tough, something that you do not like to have to handle, there will come a time when you realize that staying in suffering ends up being a choice that you can make to walk away from if you're willing to reframe the question to something around, what am I supposed to learn? What is this meant to teach me? How am I gonna grow? 
out of this experience, even if it's something that I didn't love. So as I like try to circle back to the beginnings of this episode, I'm asking this question, what am I meant to learn from this last year in my life? Right? Like throwing my hands at the sky sometimes. God, what are you trying to teach me? Throwing the hands at the universe. Where's the universe? All around us. Universe, what are you trying to teach me? Dave, look at myself in the mirror. What are you meant to learn from all of this? Right? If I can for a second work against some of my negative self-talk, work against some of my anger, work against some of the things that my history and programming might have had me do and just spend a second asking, hey, if the universe is working in my favor here, what was I meant to learn from having to go through this experience, right? If God's answering this prayer, do I have faith in this God? Yes, I do. Do you have faith that he's answering prayers? Yes, I do. Do you think that he might be answering your prayers in his way and not my way. Okay, I can suspend my ridiculous thought that I have a say in how prayers get answered and believe that his ways may in fact be better than my ways every single day of the week, twice on Sunday. What am I meant to learn from this? Right? What was I meant to learn by losing my damn mind around the launch of my last book? What was the lesson what was the answer to prayer in the weight that I afforded to people who'd maybe take the fact that I lost my damn mind, that I fell and delight in it? What did I need to learn when I turned to drinking to get away from the embarrassment and the negative self-talk and the darkness that happened in the aftermath of having fallen, having been critiqued, having listened now to my worst thoughts and believed them? What, what, what am I meant to learn from drinking? What was working in my favor when I was trying to outrun my pain? And how did maybe that change when instead of running away from the pain, I ran toward the pain by going into treatment? What, what was working in my favor by making a choice to get help? What might be unlocked when I lost so much of what I had fought to protect in my image? in projecting that uh, everything's okay here, it's fine, I'm not suffering, it's okay. What, what might be unlocked? For me, every single answer, right? Every single answer, like why'd you lose your mind? What might happen in you know becoming the laughing stock of certain corners of the internet? What might be the thing that you learn when drinking was a thing that forced you to get help? What might be learned when instead of running away from pain, you ran toward it in treatment? What might be learned when you lost something in reputation or, or in <laughs> whatever it is that you were trying to protect, that ego was trying to protect, that fear or, or any, any insecurity was trying to protect at any cost? What might, be, what might be gained? Every single one of these answers, it came back to an invitation for me to be okay with all of me. All of me. Not just the well-spoken dude who can try and convince you that everything's great. Not the one who could, you know, show up in certain ways on this platform or write certain words in this way. But all of me, the good parts of me, the inspirational parts of me, the funny parts of me, but also the work in progress parts of me, the parts of me that I have shame for, the parts of me that are, yep, better today than they were a year ago, but that are still no freaking where near where they need to be for me to fully love myself every single day, right? 
Every single, every single answer came back to the invitation for me to be okay with me. To let ego die. To let the meaning of whatever reputation existed die. To let my having allowed myself to fall be something that could save me instead of be the end of me. Right? Like, I'm, to be clear, I am mortified that I lost it on a live stream in my backyard. I am embarrassed that my insecurity about book sales, freaking book sales, which of course were like a deeper reflection of my own doubt in myself and the obvious truth of how much more healing I still needed to do, right? It left me in this pathetic, exhausted, manic, neglectful of my most important people wreck. I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I felt so unworthy in the aftermath of divorce that I went on a campaign to prove my worthiness. I was hell-bent to prove I was whole while I was broken. And in the weight of that effort, of the time outside of integrity with who I really was on an everyday basis, it came at a cost. A, a huge cost, a massive, dark, but totally necessary cost. Right? I was the one that needed to get a life. And I was desperate to have a life. I wanted one that I could love and have peace with and, and respect for. And I had been living so far outside of integrity with myself that the answer to my prayers, that the way the universe might have my back, required a fall. I mean, I wish I could have learned a different way. Right? That was the universe trying to give me a gift. That was God answering the prayers for me being able to love myself. I hated that I needed to fall down again. Right? Like I thought I fell after my divorce. I needed to fall down again so I could get back up better. And not only did I have to fall down again, I had to fall down again, again by picking up a bottle and trying to mute the feelings of having fallen down again. But I needed those falls. I had to fall down multiple times so that in finally falling down enough, I was able to start getting back up from a base, from a bottom, so that I wasn't building on top of something that hadn't necessarily been dealt with, where the, the fractures and the fissures and the foundation could not have been completely destroyed so that I could build from scratch, right? A year later, a year later I'm still getting up. I'm still getting up. I'm still making mistakes, which means I'm also still falling down. But I'm falling down a little bit less than I'm falling in the past, in part because I'm doing the unlearning of a lifetime of patterns and ego games and relationship attachments and all the rest, but I am on this mission to get closer to whole, and the only route for my wholeness was through falling, which sucks, and I'm grateful, right? In the aftermath of that fall, I got to eat the biggest serving of humble pie that they serve, got it served at times from those that glided in my pain, and... As much as that sucked, as much as it gave way to my greatest source of shame and drinking to cope with how shitty it felt, I needed it. I was malnourished and crow was the thing that I needed the nutrients of. I hate that that's the case, but of course it did, right? Numbing and therapy gave way to treatment and being honest with myself. And I don't know that I would ever gotten honest if I hadn't gotten to a place where the drinking and numbing was bad enough that I realized it was putting my life in danger. 
right? I couldn't see it then. I couldn't see it then, but totally see it now. I needed a heavy dose of the criticism that came in the aftermath of the fall so that I could free myself from trying to keep them or anyone else happy at the expense of me being me. Because that's an exhausting game. And so much of the integrity issues that I've dealt with in my life have come back to an interest in pleasing and keeping people happy in being seemed or deemed to be worthy or good. And anytime it's come at the expense of being honest with who I am or owning the way I struggle or acknowledging whatever is actually happening inside of my life, it's left me miserable. What I didn't realize, in some crazy ways, I needed their confirmation bias of some of my own worst thoughts to allow me to go on a journey to discover what I really thought of myself absent of what anyone else was saying. I had to do it. I had to go on that journey to be free of what they say, of what they think, to be free and love me as I am, even if others don't. If the year leading into treatment was me trying to outrun my pain, treatment was the invitation to run to it, to honor it, to try and allow it to exist without judgment or embarrassment, but to ask it those same questions that Jack was asking. What am I meant to learn from this pain? And trust, it was freaking hard. Coming back to yourself while you're still working on yourself can really suck. It's why some of you have a hard time being alone. Hell, it's why I still have a hard time being alone right now while I'm still working on all my, all my stuff. I have, a, I have less a hard time, to be honest, but I still have a hard time sitting in a house when my kids aren't here, allowing me to be with me as I'm still this work in progress. But being alone is where so much of the work happens. It's where so much of the rubber ends up hitting the road. But even in treatment, there were still plenty of things happening that didn't feel like an answer to prayer. It was so inconvenient and confusing to my kids. And in the aftermath, I can tell you, it has absolutely drawn us even closer. It's created more intentional quality time in the aftermath. I couldn't have seen it at the time because it felt like the most disruptive thing in the world. And in a crazy way, it was a source of bringing us together. But at the time, I didn't think it was the universe giving me a big old hug. But the next morning, as I stepped into the most support I've ever been surrounded by, as I sat with a team of professionals and day after day of group sessions, I came to appreciate that I was given an enormous gift that could have only been unwrapped in the setting that I was in in that season, right? The pain that I was out running was now running toward me, but I was running toward it with an army, I was able in that posture to allow myself to see things that I would not have even allowed myself to admit existed in the relationship. And in the admission, in the alignment, in the truth, I was free from something that had previously had enormous power in my life. I don't want to convince you I'm good when I'm not, that I've figured it out when I haven't, that I'm whole while there's still so much more work going on. That's been the gift of losing what I thought I was building in this fall. Social media has proven itself to be a trap for me at times. When I feel like I quote unquote need to post something, when I catch myself doing something because of how I hope it'll position me in a way that's disconnected from how I actually feel, I'm trying to have the discipline to just stay away. Most days, 
I'd like to think I don't fall into the trap. And sometimes I'm sure I still do because I'm human and I'm still going to have fear or ego or insecurity or something steal the wheel every once in a while. And I apologize if you've seen it happen. In the end, the lesson that I keep being taught is one of integrity. It's a lesson I think I'll keep having taught to me at times in the hardest freaking ways possible until it actually sticks. Doing what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it is obviously where it starts. And often, by the way, where it ends. When I'm in integrity, I build trust with myself, respect with myself, I have dignity and love because of the way that my actions align with who I'd hope to be. When I don't, all bets are off. As the host of a podcast or someone who's on social media, when I curate a story that's disconnected from my truth, I feel like a fraud. Even if I could get away with it with some smooth talking and mildly funny humor, I'm telling you, it feels like shit mostly because it reinforces on some level inside that were I to show all of who I am, it wouldn't be received well, which tells me that I'm enough to show you me. It's in part, by the way, why I've come to appreciate spaces like AA meetings. Every single time I walk in, I get to be 100% me. Honest, all of me, owning all the good and all the stuff that I'm working on. And in that circle, right, there's a circle of chairs. Never one time has anyone come back to the representation of my truth with anything other than love and empathy for my experience. They make my messiness feel normal. And they make sharing my entire self a thing that allows the parts that I might usually hide an opportunity to actually be seen and actually be appreciated for who they are, for what they are, for the roles that they play. Even the ones I'm working on, by the way, right? All the parts. It's why I have also been so in love with this Get Fit community because it's been one of the most incredibly safe and supportive places that accepts every single member who's in there just as they are. Doesn't matter how fancy you are in fitness. Doesn't matter what your level is. You're celebrated for crushing it and you're offered the right mix of accountability and grace on the days when you don't. So, yes, I do have this appreciation that the universe has my back. I do have a faith in God and his presence in my life and the way that he is affecting my life. And even if I haven't loved the way that sometimes prayers are being answered or the universe having my back is showing up, I do have an appreciation for that, as I said, nutritional value of the crow that I was eating for the way that experiencing pain or embarrassment or humbling or whatever it might be was a gift in a journey of me becoming more whole, right? Like it took breaking a bit in order for me to put myself back together. And in case you're wondering, let's be very clear, this isn't some declaration that I'm completely back together, that I'm whole, that I figured it out. Hell no. I'm more together than I've been But this is a journey that I'm going to be on for years and years to come and years to come. (laughs) One of the things I found in my attempt to become an inverse paranoid is that just believing that things will work out for good isn't enough alone. 
I I know myself so well, and maybe it'll relate to the way that I am, but I have to commit things that might help rebuild a little bit of that belief in the inverse paranoid so that I can, in seeing actions that align with intention, some pride, so that I can, in seeing a little bit of progress in loving myself because I am doing what I said I was going to do, that I actually end up manufacturing the evidence to confirm that the universe is working for me. I put this up on the gram recently. I won't just read this. It's a quick post, but um, I'm challenging myself to get outside my comfort zone. It's a challenge that in some ways comes with a promise that I am making to myself. And I also know myself to be my worst enemy. It goes like this. Every single time I struggle, feel down, have trouble loving myself, it's because I veered away from doing what I said I'm going to do what I know I need to do. You can read all the books, even write all the books, but if you don't do the things you say you're gonna do, once you know what you need to do, it's useless. Maybe even worse now that you're aware of what it takes to feel proud of yourself when your actions in opposition leave you so far from self-respect. I've been working on a goal that's pretty far outside my comfort zone, preparing for a physique competition at the end of October where Walking out onto a stage in nothing but board shorts and tanning oil, my commitment and consistency will either be a thing that I'm proud of or disappointed in. I'm doing it to show myself that I can do things that scare me, can commit to things that require discipline and effort and keeping promises that I've made to myself. I'm doing the show to build my confidence after a crazy year where it was chipped away, to feel proud of myself after a time when I didn't. As much as I do feel good about my progress, I also know that the only thing standing between me and being proud of having given my best effort is me. Last week, my trainer hit me with a dose of reality. In so many words, he said he wouldn't let me stand on a stage and represent his work if I hadn't done mine. That good enough wasn't something that passes at this next level. And that's the thing about trying to do something bigger than you've done before. You have to find another level to succeed at another level. You have to set and hit an elevated standard of commitment and consistency to be able to stand in that arena knowing you did everything you could to live up to the higher standard you set. Success on October 29th has nothing to do with where I place. The only measure of success is being able to walk out on that terrifying stage knowing that there wasn't anything more I could have done. The pride of doing what I said I was going to do, that I stayed committed and consistent with my daily effort. Six weeks to go, time to bear down. So as we wrap up this episode, I'm excited and terrified of this thing that sits in front of me. Excited because I've been more consistent than I have been about almost anything in a really long time and terrified because, well, I know myself. I know it's going to take connecting more to how it's going to feel loving myself for staying in integrity with who I say I want to be and how I want to respect myself when I do than reverting to old patterns and old habits that led me to not feeling as good about me as I want to. This conversation about integrity, being who I say I am, acting in a way that's consistent with who I am, it's a lesson that I keep having to learn. And I'm hoping that in the next six weeks, my consistent actions and keeping promises with myself will keep me from having to learn the damn lesson again. More than anything, it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy, crazy year. 
And there were so many times in the year where I could not tell you why the things that were happening were happening. But I have a bizarre sense of peace and gratitude for each of them having happened as they did, in part because of this ability for me to spend time answering the questions that Jack was asking. What lesson am I meant to learn here? What quality am I supposed to develop? I don't know what's going to happen next for me. Certainly, it's not going to be pain-free. Definitely won't be mistake-free. But I do feel a little better equipped as I continue this journey of rebuilding to think differently about the things that are happening and why they might continue to. The lessons that we don't learn keep being taught. Integrity for me is one that I'm trying to get a little bit closer to creating some discipline and mastery around so that I don't have to keep learning things the hardest freaking way possible. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Rise Together podcast. I'll uh, see you next week. Take care. Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular. If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm going to be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. Uh, And I'd love to be able to do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined, hit MrDaveHollis.com, drop in your email, and buckle on up. I love you all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.